Like, I truly hated him as Commodus. I had to look up his name because I just, I never wanted to remember <laughs> it because I fucking hated him. Like, he was such a little whiny bitch. Um, and you could tell, like, he was just, you know, playing the game and cheating. And towards the end, when nobody would give him the sword and he got killed, like, that was just the best. Like, he, he did such a good job at being a bad guy. Like, those two were the first thing that came to mind was, like, that's how you do it. Just watch those videos, and if you want to make a movie about a bad guy, <laughs> go and do that. I want to take us on a little side quest. Goku's one of the greatest anime heroes of all time. He's badass. He's awesome. Dude, hands down, Final Fantasy VII wins every day. How could you not love the Mario Brothers movie? Robocop kicks everyone else's ass. And that's why Superman sucks. Oh, the Velociraptors kick ass in Jurassic Park every single day. Oop, went on a bit of a rant there, huh? Oh, what is up, ladies and gentle nerds? Welcome back to another episode of the SideQuest Podcast. This is Eric, and on this week's episode, we got some fun main quests for you. We're going to talk a little bit about that little show called Squid Game. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, everybody has, so unless you're living under a rock, it's an awesome show. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what makes a great movie antagonist, movie villain. Uh, we're also going to talk about what board games you want to make into movies and a lot more. So let's just jump right into it and get started. So first up, Squid Game. Uh, I'm sure both of you have heard of this. I can't imagine you haven't. So... For those out there that have no clue what I'm talking about, check out Netflix, check out Squid Game, go into it with as little knowledge as possible, and I think you're going to really jump into a nice little treat there. So I'll just kick things off. I watched the entire series in a weekend, last weekend, and I had a great time. I did not expect the show to be as good as it was and the characters to be as good as they were. Very cool, very interesting take. And Jeff, I think you watched at least half of it so far. What did you think? I did, yeah. The show is completely bananas. It's awesome. <laughs> it's cool to see a show from like uh, Korea get, you know, popular um, here in like America because you know Asia has a great film industry. We just, you know, we just stick to our dumb reality shows, and this is very <laughs> unique and it's it's messed up. So definitely don't watch it like before bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just to give a spoiler-free little overview, a little synopsis. So the you know the movie takes place in in uh, South Korea, and it's about a bunch of people that just are down on their luck, and they actually get quote unquote kidnapped um, into this almost like battle royale type type dungeon game yeah. out on an island. And so the main point of the story is to try to survive, and they do. They have a lot of cool ways of you know, um, getting that count down and the winner kind of walks away with all the money. So every time someone doesn't walk away, uh, more money gets added. So it's a really just cool concept. Again, don't even watch the trailer. Just jump right into the first episode. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Justin, I'm sure you've heard about this bad boy. I have. I've not had a chance to watch it yet. And I know it's supposed to be bonkers or bananas as um, you both seem to agree <laughs> with, but um, I, I, I know that we're trying to avoid spoilers, but I, I've seen some news articles circulating around about the Americanized version sort of being a bastard Ooh. of the original. 
Did you guys see that today or no? I did not. I'm oh, interested geez. to hear more. Americanized so, version in what way? So, because it's it's got subtitles, right? Yeah, the subtitles I heard are... Oh, yeah. they completely botched them or fucked it up, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> so, apparently it does... To the original, I, I know none of us speak Korean. No. I speak a little bit, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, egg roll. Oh, there you go. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Oops. And that's our first cancel of the new the hey, new format. Happy <laughs> um and it's just I just find it interesting and I, I would like to know more behind was this a censorship move or was this just a miscommunication of a cultural difference? Okay. I think Yeah, so from what I read, I know like in Norway, in Norwegian, um Anytime they swore in the movie, they just said the word dirtbag. So no matter what swear they said, it would just be dirtbag in Norwegian. <laughs> I think what happened is we're really so because anime is so popular here, we're like we have the translation down from like Japanese super well, but Korean is just not we just don't do a lot of it. And I don't think there's a really good studio that can translate that language because Korean and Japanese and Chinese are very difficult languages, and um, the way they pronounce things, like, in Chinese and Korean, like, pitches matter, so a higher pitch can mean something different. So I think it's just very difficult. They, our dubbing studios is just more focused on Japanese dubbing than Korean, really, and I think there's a couple multiple things working there, but I think that's kind of part of it it's a very hollywood pr answer from you i like that um well, there you go <laughs> i think so i'll be honest uh for those of you out there that haven't seen it yet it is a very visual show so i am depending on the show especially netflix or wherever else i will watch it in their native language and look at the subtitles and it just to me sometimes adds a little bit more to it for this show for me in particular I, with all the visuals, I had to just listen to the American dub of their voices. It didn't bother me. There was just so much to look at that I didn't want to keep looking down every single second because if you don't look up in certain parts, like you are going to miss a lot. So just a quick little piece of advice for you. If you are watching it, Justin, I think you'll have a great time with it. And the fact that it got on your radar, because I'm not going to call you picky. I think you know what you like to watch. And the fact that it kind of you know, rang a little radar alarm bell in your world. I think that uh, is a is a little uh, feather in their cap. Yeah, I mean, everything from the Hunger Games to the Running Man and Battle Royale and in between is always a good, uh, <laughs> yes. good home run. Good. Clearly, it takes reference from Battle Royale, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's a 2000 uh, Japanese movie where it's, you know, kind of Hunger Games even, based off of it it's kind of the original they threw high school kids on an island and they all just murder each other very unlike hunger games it's very descriptive on the murder and watching the killings which yeah good game does a you know takes a lot of inspiration from battle royale i like where you went with that because it actually leads straight into our next main quest here um i want to know i want to know you know, we talk a lot about movies here. For those of you that are just joining us for a second episode, go back to some of our archives. We love movies. We love picking them apart, putting them back together again. But I want to know today on one of our main quests here, what makes for a great movie antagonist or a villain or just the main bad person in, in the movie? 
Um, and Justin, I want to start with you. Let's take our time with this one. I want to dissect what we all think really makes for a great movie antagonist, and then I'm going to jump into a little bit of a top five according to the interwebs and see what we think there. Ooh. So, Justin, tee us up, bad boy. So, so audience, for what it's worth, if you ever want a game with me on Xbox, my favorite movie villain and antagonist is Packard Walsh. You can chat me on Discord under the same uh, nomenclature. But uh, he, I, I think... A great, I think the 80s did an excellent job of establishing who and what like a movie villain or antagonist should be. And Packard Walsh was the main villain in Charlie Sheen's 1986 movie, The Wraith. And geez, Clint Howard's in that movie and Randy Quaid's in that movie. And um, it's a fantastic movie. And obviously Charlie Sheen plays a, a wraith uh, who's a spook. So it's an October uh makes sense <laughs> to talk about because you yeah. know ghosts um but i think the the one thing that i want to kick us off on this conversation is talking about the karate kid who john crease and terry silver are and what cobra kai did to really flip the script on just layering in what it is for even johnny lawrence as you know the cobra kai main kid villain in the first movie like to me that that's the definitive this is a movie villain yeah i like what you did there and so what do you think it is about the character or the actor like what what really makes them you know step up from let's say movie a which is a dog shit movie and the villain sucks and you can read right through him and you just can't wait to get out of the theater versus the villain that really you know, glues you to your seat and you're eating more popcorn. You're just like, dude, if I met this person in real life, I would love to just put my fist right through their face. Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a good side quest. I'm going to hold that in my back pocket Ooh, yeah. and spring that later. <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, so for me, I, I think it has to be a nuanced creation of a character that you can relate to on some fronts as a person, as a watcher to say like, I understand what they're doing or why they're doing it. Because there's a lot of personal disaster and abuse and um, downfall that these villains go through. They're not just Genghis Khan, who's just marching through the fields, just lopping off people's head, or Vlad the Impaler, that's just like, oop, oop, got you up in the rear. <laughs> um, that a true good villain that you can see them, and in a different aspect, if they're in a different story their own story they're the good guy right who's gone through some they've seen some shit um and conversely we i for the first time i watched casino royale uh the other night and i like mads i think he's a great actor but i did not think that him as the villain was nuanced enough it was just kind of like mm -hmm. oh here's some situations that you're dealing with for a bond villain i think that was a little bit weak yeah, and how often they sit across the table from each other without punches being thrown, you know, whereas most Bond movies, like, it's kind of the cat and mouse game <laughs> as opposed to, like, yeah. hanging out and having a drink and having a conversation. Uh, so totally get it. Nice nice point so far. Jeff, what about you? What, uh, what really makes for a good movie antagonist? Yeah, so I'm going to go a different route, you know, than, like, Justin and bringing up more and then what you probably see online, like Hannibal Lecter or John Doe from Seven and all that. 
you know, I'll, I'll go into my favorite one at the end, but I think Marvel lately, and this is going to be more of the, the comic route on villain, has been doing complicated villains uh, better than when they first started. I mean, some of the earlier movies, the, the villains were pretty, you know, cookie cutter, but Thanos is an extremely complicated villain, even if you can call him a villain, what he believes that he's doing is the right thing and how, you know, the way he acts with Gamora and all that. Uh, there's also Loki, who's just is an extremely complicated character who's a dick, but he's not a dick. And then he's a dick again. And now he's kind of on this redemption. I think Marvel likes this kind of redemption thing that's going on lately, uh, which I think is really cool. And Shang-Chi, I know you guys haven't seen it yet, but arguably probably Marvel's best villain because he's uh, the, what's his name? The the Mandarin, right? The Mandarin, yeah, yeah. Is extremely complicated on why he's doing what he's doing. And it's not all evil, but things happen that make someone go down the wrong path. Which again, you guys should definitely see Shang-Chi. There's a reason why it's doing really well. Um, so I like the way Marvel's been doing villains lately so it's really fun to watch that i know that's not your typical like you know again hannibal lecter which is a great you know movie antagonist but uh one of my favorites is you know is darth vader it's not only because star wars is like my favorite movie and franchise but if you really look at vader and the way you know lucas talks about him i mean he's his whole arc is redemption arc he's you know, he's corrupted and half of what he does isn't technically his fault. It's a old cryptic type church like place, the Jedi, you know, order, which isn't changing with the times. And if they did, Anakin would never have fallen the way that he fell. And he, you know, <clears throat> was used as a slave. His mother died. He wasn't allowed to enact revenge. He wasn't allowed to be married to Padme. I mean, he's just a very tragic fall of a hero. And then he redeems himself when he finds out about, you know, Luke. And in the end, he does bring balance to the force. They always say that Luke did that. Luke helped push Anakin back to being, you know, away from the dark side because he done does kill Palpatine. And I don't want to go into the fucking new stupid movies and how they totally fuck that whole thing up. But if you just look at the original three, he did what he was there to do. He brought balance to the force and he redeemed himself as the, you know, villain that he was for 30 some years before Luke came. Yeah. All right. Good points. Good points. I feel like for a great movie antagonist, you know, they gotta, you gotta believe the character if they're not believable in any aspect of what they're trying to accomplish. It's just kind of takes it out of it for me. Um, I feel like they've got to basically fuck over the protagonist any chance they get without remorse. Like, any chance that they're in the same room or that they um, cross paths or even if it's just, you know, someone being locked in a prison or something and they just walk past them, whatever it is, you gotta you got to actually start to believe what their cause is and just see how, how much more do you want the protagonist to really, like, overcome this asshole. Um, and so for me, a couple that come to mind, 
One is uh, Warden Norton from Shawshank Redemption. Like, I just, you, you honestly hate that guy so much, the warden of the prison, and how much he's just fucking with the guys and mistreating them and beating the crap out of them and just like, um, you know, taking Andy Dufresne and, and, you know, just making him basically his little bitch to do all his chores and orders. So that it, it made it such a great victory at the end when like he gets away and the warning gets taken away. So I just, he just portrayed it so well. The actor did such a great job uh, that you just, you hate him so much. But in all honesty, it's like, it just shows how great of a job he did. And the other one is Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. Like, I truly hated him as Commodus. I had to look up his name because I just, I never wanted to remember <laughs> it because I fucking hated him. Like, he was such a little whiny bitch. Um, and you could tell, like, he was just, you know, playing the game and cheating. And towards the end, when nobody would give him the sword and he got killed, like, that was just the best. Like, he, he did such a good job at being a bad guy. Like, those two were the first thing that came to mind was, like, that's how you do it. Just watch those videos, and if you want to make a movie about a bad guy, <laughs> go and do that. Is it? That's so good. And, and, you know, Jeff, you brought up a couple ones. I actually want to uh, list off a few of, uh, according to AFI, so depending on where you get your sources from, but this they have a, a, a list of 100 movie heroes and 100 movie villains, and I just want to kind of read off the top five. And, Jeff, you actually had a couple on there. Um, so let's just start with number five. We'll work our way to number one. Um, Nurse Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So I'll be honest, I watched this a couple months ago, and I don't necessarily think she was a great antagonist. Yeah, she was kind of bitchy and kind of controlling, but I feel like, um, I feel like, uh, what's his fucking face? Um, God, why can't I? Know? Yeah, Jesus Christ, Jack Nicholson. I feel like he overpowered her antagonistic skills, so he was just very quick to overcome anything she was throwing at him that I didn't really feel like she was that bad of an antagonist, so I'll shut up there, but what did you guys think about Nurse Ratchet? Yeah, that's odd for me that she's number five. I would have put many other villains further up. I can see, you know... She is not a good person and all that. And I know maybe the show flushes her out more as an evil prick, but there's more complicated. I mean, I would say the shark from Jaws is more evil <laughs> than her, but you know, whatever. <laughs> well, that's she, she did. So she did receive an Academy Award for her performance. So I wonder if that's maybe one of the little nuggets of why she, you know, received the nod, Justin. I don't know what you think about that. Hitchcock villains that are better anyway. And no, I think that she, I, I feel like, yes, maybe the show gets into like a little bit more of the nitty gritty about who she is and what she does and why that's important. But the way that you have to imagine that she's feasting upon these people in this hospital is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Okay. And me like that, that is the kicker about it, about her and her evilness is she's almost like a symbiote. She's almost like an alien. Like all of these things that you can sort of attribute to somebody that maybe you can say is a greater villain, but you have to realize what Kubrick did in 1970, whatever was very unique at the time. Yeah. Okay. Good points. Good points. Still tough for me to swallow that she's in the top five, but moving on, let's talk about the next one up. Number four, 
uh, The Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. I could definitely see this one. I I think she's a scary individual, especially when you're younger. Um, maybe even for some adults out there, but she was uh, she was quite the quite the little trickster and uh, quite the little movie villain there. I mean, with all of her you know monkey henchmen flying around and just her overall goal of just trying to like take the souls and lives of you know those four individuals. <laughs> like that was her main mission in life. Um, so I don't know, Justin. What do you think about the Wicked Witch of the West? I think it's a classic villain. Um, you can make the diff- you can make a point for the different archetypes archetypes of villains and antagonists across all of cinema history. Um, the one thing that I want to just sort of throw in there really quickly is that a lot of these villains are based on Shakespearean um, cornerstones and they don't necessarily need to have redeeming qualities. And I, gosh, I haven't seen this movie since I was a child. So I don't necessarily, <laughs> and I haven't seen any of, I haven't seen the, the, the follow-up with Michael Jackson. And <laughs> Oh my God. What was it? Back to Oz or some shit? Return. To yeah. Oz? Something, oh, something like that. Movie? It's a horror movie is what that is. <laughs> but if you think about it too, the wizard of Oz, that was made in 1930, uh, 1939. So yeah, like you said, Justin Pullen from Shakespearean, I mean, it's such an old movie that to have that kind of villain in the movie, I feel like was a, I mean, that definitely a gem there, Jeff, what do you think? Yeah. So I've done a lot of like random Wikipedia searches on, on the Wizard of Oz, because there's a lot of fucked up stuff that happened while they were watching it. But I don't really see her as that bad of a villain. Um, she was on set, like Judy Garland was horribly abused on the Wizard of Oz. And uh, the woman who played the Wicked Witch was the only like nice person to her. And they've like, uh, Judy Garland's daughter and stuff talked about this and so that's that's the first thing. But, I mean, let's look at the Wicked Witch. I mean, at the beginning, her sister was killed because Dorothy's house landed on top of her. <laughs> so that kind of pissed anyone off. Yeah, that's um, shitty. <laughs> yeah, and then Dorothy just took her shoes. Like, oh, I killed this witch. Here's some shoes. And then took it. Got her. And all the, wit- all the Wicked Witch wanted was her sister, her dead sister's shoes back. And she's like, no, no, you can't have that. I mean, <laughs> she had a pretty good, you know, grip on why she didn't like Dorothy. Um, which, is she an evil person for that? It's like someone came to your house, landed on your dog or like your your mother or something, <laughs> stole her shoes and you wanted, first off, you're like, you killed, you know, whoever was close to you that this person killed and then took your shoes. You would kind of want a little bit of revenge on that person. Yeah. Yeah. You got so, a good point again, there. I don't think she's that evil. I, she's a witch. She's green. She's your typical, you know, Halloween type looking witch, but I don't think she's all that evil. I think she's just a witch who has a lot of power, who is taking revenge on this snobby, you know, self-centered <laughs> little girl that came in and just kind of fucked this woman's life up. Damn. Yeah. Who, who you're just as, <laughs> You're describing the plot to John Wick right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah bas- basically somebody pitched. Uh, so it's like Dorothy getting revenge for <laughs> for Toto or some shit. 
Oh my yeah. god. So, oh my go. god. Well, definitely a step up from Nurse Ratchet in my book for sure. But uh, number three, Jeff, you definitely touch on this one. Is Darth Vader from The Empire Strikes Back? Uh, I mean, well, I mean, obviously he's in the, all the Star Wars movies, but they literally said for The Empire Strikes Back, they're just not even counting the first one. Um, so obviously a villain, very well known. Um, I mean, Justin, throwing this one over to you. What do we think about Darth Vader as an antagonist? I, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna draw some hate, but I'm gonna say I think he's overrated in this movie, without knowing the complete structure of who he was and what he's gone through to go to what he's been in. Yes, he's powerful, but is he one of the greatest villains? Absolutely, no. Well, according to this, Absolutely he's in the top no. three, but not the top one. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'll, uh, Justin, I'm going to jump on your bandwagon a little bit. So I think, you know, he, he is iconic. I got to give him that. Like, yes, the voice and the look and everything, but I guess, I don't know, just the, the way he handled himself in the movies and like how, you know, I don't know, the outfit is, is okay, but he was just like, outfit is okay. He's just kind of running around and trying to just kill, kill the uh, rebellion. And I mean, yes, he did have some very big plans. Rebellion. What is his relationship to Palpatine? I mean, you you are not a Star Wars fan, so you don't understand it as well. Don't have to be a Star Wars fan to know a good antagonist. So <laughs> I would good antagonist. I would say he's okay. I'll give him middle of the road. Jeff, what do you middle think? of the road? I mean, I've already uh, given my thoughts on. So is he your he's... top? Is he your top villain of all time? Then in your book? Yeah. Oh, okay. What's for uh, many of the reasons I stated prior, and um, you know, which clearly been listened to. So no, I was just thinking about other things. Like the first three movies, like I, I feel personally that with the the prequels, I feel like it makes him less of an antagonist because he just comes off as like a little whiny bitch in the <laughs> first three movies, and he just like for the wrong reasons. I feel like he doesn't earn the title of Darth Vader in those three movies. Well, there's also books, there's comics, there's a lot of that that goes yeah, but that's, into more detail. That's the point is we're excusing yeah, all of the that. Movie, the presence that he had. I mean, ask anyone that first saw Star Wars. When this dude walked in and the way he talked and the way he acted, I mean, it was iconic. It was this is a villain. This is this is an evil person. I'm sorry. I you see his journey as this evil person just in the original three movies. And then the way that he, you know, ultimately changes because of his son and eventually f figures out his wrongdoing and has a redemption arc just makes him a fantastic, you know, antagonist, villain and almost anti-hero. He's he hits on a lot of points. But we're not talking about all of those we're saying in one particular all movie. Of those bring up and you mush it in together as one character. Nope. I mean, other characters just are one sided. I'm yeah, saying evil. They, they murder people and they eat people or they do stuff like that. But um, Vader goes through a whole arc over three movies that I mean, look at Lord of the Rings. Saruman's just a dick the entire time. He has no arc. He's trying to take over Middle Earth. And that's it. Is he a good villain? Sure, yeah. The all-seeing eye, it's, it's a terrifying villain. Uh, but is he a greatest villain? No, he's a typical cookie-cutter villain. 
you know, if I walk through one of two doors and Darth Vader's one door and Leatherface is another door, I'm not going through Leatherface's door in comparison to Darth Vader's. That's so a almost eight foot tall robotic <laughs> human with the force and a lightsaber. Nah, that's nothing. You can at least, well, yeah, you would take, you know, uh, probably Leatherface because you could probably run away from him. Nah. Uh, the moment Vader grabs you and chokes you. I mean, look, look at the end scene of um, of um, Rogue One. I mean, the way yep. people reacted, true evil, just walking down the hall with no, he's no facial expression. You have no idea what this guy's feeling. No, no, pass. Because no, we're not talking about Rogue One. We're talking <laughs> about one, one specific movie. Well, Moving on. Darth Vader's boring. Uh, number two, Norman Bates from Psycho. I would definitely... You know, I, I he yeah, he gives up. He's a he's a creepy guy. guy, and this movie I would definitely put him up there. I think he's a well deserved number two for the movie that it was and the character that he was. So I will I will tack him up there. Definitely number two, I think. Um, Jeff, what do you think about Norman Bates? Why is he your number two? No, he's number two on the list. Oh, okay. I, 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 I think it's a, I think it's acceptable. Uh, why? Because he's a good, uh, just the the way he creeps around the hotel, the secrets that you slowly start to uncover, um, the realization of like how ridiculous he is. Like he has his dead mother up in the house. Everything about it gets creepier and creepier, even up until the end. Even when he's in the the police station and he's just like staring soullessly into the camera, and the flash gives you the the skull icon. Like there's. You just walk away from that movie with a really uneasy feeling like, wow, if this, I, like, I am never pulling over to a fucking motel on the side of the road. It probably ruined all their business for a while. Um, I just think he gives me the creeps, the heebie-jeebies, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a, I don't think he deserves two at all. I think even top ten, I mean, he shouldn't have be on. I think he's on there because Psycho was a revolutionary movie at the time, and it was Hitchcock, and it's a great movie. It's filmed well. It was the first scene that they had a woman who was, you know, supposedly naked in a shower being filmed and being killed. And at the time, yeah, that was, you know, terrifying. But in the grand scheme of of movies, I mean, you could argue Michael Myers is more terrifying in the way they shoot him in Halloween than Norman Bates. And yeah, Norman Bates, he's a creep. He's stuffed his mother um, and he murders people that come to the hotel. I mean... Again, I'll go with Justin on this. Leatherface and that whole family scares the shit out of me more than than Norman Bates. Uh, but he's definitely, you know, a good villain in the grand scheme of film cinema, but not, you know, top ten of all time. No way. All right. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I, I feel like maybe we are doing our fans a disservice and we should have identified how we were evaluating these villains like kill count versus creepiness versus as jeff says you know overall arc and redemption I would agree with um, you on this. so i i feel like we should maybe we should have identified some of those points before we dove into this because i agree with jeff in that norman bates based on just creepiness and kill count alone is just not up there you could take anybody from any other horror movie and say like Freddy Krueger, I, I, I'm sorry. I would just never want to be anywhere near Freddy Krueger. 
but Norman Bates, it's like, I feel like I can probably just run away from him a little bit or just maybe <laughs> see this creepy ass motel and be like, yeah, I'm not going to stay there. Yeah. Um, but, but if so, just, just a, a quick little backstory into Anthony Perkins and who's, he's a fantastic actor, you know, RIP in peace. Uh, his wife died in nine 11 and his son, uh, she was on one of the planes in, in New York that hit the Twin Towers. Her son, Elvis Perkins, made an album um, dedicated to the memory of his lost mom and dad because of both their tragedies. And Elvis Perkins is awesome. Oz Perkins uh, is a director. He's done a couple of movies. So the whole Perkins family has this like great uh, lineage of artistic uh the mother was a photographer so it's just you know it's a sad sad story um behind the perkins family that i just always want people to know about because it's underrated uh, that was all I right learn something on the show all right perkins yeah that's definitely that's and and here just to give everybody the definition too late into the game because we're already on number one but according to afi this is how they ranked them it's a character whose wickedness of mind, selfishness of character, and will to power are sometimes masked by beauty and nobility, while others may rage unmasked. And then the last thing they said is, they can be horribly evil or grandiosely funny, but are ultimately tragic. So that's how they rank their villains. And number one... Makes more sense then. <laughs> number one, I disagree with Jeff. This was yours, so I'll let you kick this one off. Uh, you mentioned this one. Hannibal Lecter. They said of all time, Hannibal Lecter is the number one villain. Yeah, I definitely see him in a top ten. I don't know about number one, but I think in villain-wise, he is a top ten. Again, he's a complicated you know, dude, but in the end, he's killing people and eating them, which is pretty fucked up. Um, yeah, I, I feel that he's he should be in the top ten. I'm just not sure about one. Uh, I won't take too much time on this one because it's Anthony Hopkins. It's iconic. I mean, he just played the character like to the T and he was creepy in the movie. He was just creepy the way he talked. He was... Sometimes he almost made it sound like you could side with him. He was manipulative. He was, yeah, he's a fantastic villain. Definitely deserves to be, I, mean, I would even say, somewhere in the top five. Okay. One. Yeah, no one. <laughs> I think I will say something controversial. Uh, I enjoyed Buffalo Bill more than Hannibal Lecter in that movie. <laughs> okay, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that, but... I, I cool. thought he was, for me, he was creepier. I'll throw that out there. Justin, go ahead. <laughs> so, but, so I think that goes back to what I was just saying earlier is like, how are we defining what the number one is? Because the creepy factor, yeah, maybe, maybe Buffalo is a little bit creepier, but then at the same time, dude, where's my car? Um, we, we had the creepy Andy Dick character in there with the ostriches or llamas or whatever that was basically a ripoff of it. But Eric, yes, can that not count as one in the same? Sure, why not? I think I just I agree with Jeff on that one. Where like I don't think he's number one. Like yes, he's a good antagonist, but from a I don't know entertainment standpoint i guess maybe i'll i'll stake my claim there like i'm gonna for the pure entertainment factor of how much i like or dislike the villain i definitely want to put him at number one top five for sure 
I'd love to hear from the audience this week on social media. On this yeah, let topic. us know. Rip us apart. Just rip Jeff apart more <laughs> than the rest of us. Um, but uh, we got to move on, guys. We got a lot to talk about here. So let's just yeah. jump right into our new segment. It's going to be the Retro Movie of the Week. Bond. James Bond. Back. You shall not pass! Use the force, Luke. All right. We are here with the Retro Movie of the Week. So last week, we did the Retro Game of the Week, and now this week, we're going to do the Retro Movie. So uh, what better movie to talk about, since it is Spooktober still, all month, uh, but the classic 1989 movie, that came out February 17th for some reason, uh, called The Burbs, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, I mean, Ron Howard produced this movie. We've got Carrie Fisher, Corey Feldman. Uh, this is a classic movie. Justin, I know this one's near and dear to your heart. Um, basically a movie about, it's a, it's a black comedy with Tom Hanks where they move into a new subdivision. And, uh, you know, they've got some really, really creepy neighbors, give off a super Munsters type vibe. Uh, and a lot of mysterious things happen. So, Justin, I want to lob this one over to you. What are your first kind of memories of watching The Burbs, and did you love it right away? Yeah, I totally. I remember seeing this as a kid and not really understanding what the hell was going on because it's a very nuanced movie. Um, everything from the Twilight Zone-esque intro to the outro is well thought out and i remember really appreciating it and just thinking it was funny when i was little but and then re-watching it in like high school then college then as like a grown-up and then this is a movie that we did cover on back in time podcast there's gonna be a plug coming up um <laughs> to, this is this is a movie that i say if somebody asks me what is a perfect movie it's the burbs I think what Joe Dante created is just ridiculously so superb from it's funny, it's scary, the acting is good, the music is good, and all of the references and like the the third party shout outs are fantastic. Like what what complaint can an individual have about this movie? I don't know. I totally agree with you. It's just it's got it all. And the tension in the movie, too. Just when they start creeping around the neighbor's house and they're just trying to figure out who are these people, why are they so creepy, and when they all leave in the car and they have time to go snoop around, it's just it just gets more entertaining as, as it goes on. And it does. It, it is one of those movies. It had a budget of $18 million. It made $49 million, So I guess definitely a success. They made more than twice their money, but... I don't know. I feel like when you look at like the IMDb page, uh, it doesn't have a high enough rating in my book, and probably definitely not in your book. It's a six point nine out of ten. Um, yeah, that's 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 unfortunate. It's. I just love like looking back at Tom Hanks's career. Like I just love that he's a part of it, and he's he is just one of my favorite comedic actors of all time. Before he got into the real serious roles, which I mean. The guy's a national treasure. He can't do anything wrong. Um, but I just love the the early Tom Hanks 
I mean, this is 1989, and he he just lands all the comedic timing, his screaming. Like, he's basically, you know, Woody from Toy Story, like, in those <laughs> movies in real life. Like, he just hits all the checkboxes for me. Like, this one, Money Pit, and a lot of others we could probably name. But, uh, yeah, so if you haven't gone out and seen The Burbs in a while, I definitely recommend it. It's actually um, streaming on prime video it's actually on a lot of different streaming sites so just go out there and take a look and jeff how about you any stake in the claim over there on the burbs yeah i mean i unfortunately it took me up until a few years ago to actually watch the movie i hadn't seen it up to up to then and i'm sad it took that long because you know it's it's one of tom hanks like greatest films he's so much fun in it it's like perfectly cast it has you know carrie fisher's in it Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just got great writing, you know, it's shot on a sound stage that we've probably seen in a million other movies and TV. It's the intro has got a very like Beetlejuice type vibe. It's, um, you know, it's quotable. I mean, it's like in the league of, you know, those great cultier movies like Big Lebowski or Animal House. Uh, but Tom Hanks is just super great in it. I mean, the whole cast and then just... It's a horror, but it's a comedy. It's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's all contained to this one little block. Yeah. I, think um, I like that. So the best part, it's like intimate. It's an intimate setting, and you're stuck there with them, too. Like, you can't leave, you can't escape, and you're just in there with them. And uh, I found it interesting. Like, I feel like this is the first movie growing up that uh, I saw Carrie Fisher outside of the Star Wars movies. Like, I know she's been in other movies, obviously, but I feel like this is the first one I remember. I'm like, oh, shit, Princess Leia's in this? <laughs> Blues Brothers, Eric, come on. Well, that I feel like I saw this movie before the Blues Brothers, because that one was you rated R. Before the Blues Brothers, I don't Yeah. Well, this one was, like, PG, so this was still in that safe zone where, uh, you know, you could get away with, like, really... <laughs> really uh, uh you know stuff that would be r today it was pg back in 1989 fun times fun times well thanks everybody for joining us on that retro movie of the week be sure to check it out let us know your thoughts and if that's your favorite movie hit up justin you can hit him up on discord packer Walsh. Yeah. all day um so let's just jump back into a main quest here i gotta know you know that this i thought about the other day um, you know, it kind of goes both ways. There's Jumanji that, you know, was a movie and kind of became a board game and then vice versa, like the board game Clue became a movie. And I wanted to know for you guys, what board game have you played that you would love to make into a movie? It doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. I just got to know there has to be another board game that could make for a good movie environment. So Jeff, I want to toss this one over to you. What do you think? Yeah, I mean... I love board games. I haven't played much. It's something I really want to get into more and trying to find other people to play. Shout out to Becky who gives me shit uh, on the different board games I don't know anything about. So uh, I'm going to just switch it to a game where you still play almost on a board. Um, I would love to see Magic the Gathering as some crazy wizard, you know, uh, summoning all these animals to fight each other and, and... just crazy magic and just ridiculous Lord of the Rings type, you know, uh, marvelous type movie. So I would love to see, yeah, Magic the Gathering. That would be, it'd be stupid and 
dumb and <laughs> awesome and amazing. Yeah. All right. Good one. Justin, if you say the game of life, oh boy, these knuckles. What's yours? Uh, is that, does that mean yours is the game of life? No, it's just like, okay, let's make a movie about the game of life. How fucking boring would that be? <laughs> just following around real life people. Here we go. I'm paying my taxes today. All right. Going to bed. Going in the potty number one and two. What you think, Justin? Which game you playing into a movie? I've I've got one very, very deep cut. Oh, okay. So if either of you remember this game, I will be like extremely happy. <laughs> okay. uh, it's a Milton it's a Milton Bradley game from nineteen ninety three called Thirteen Dead End Drive. Oh I do not know. I do not know that. Don't hurt me. So so it's like a clue-esque game, but it's like a murder mystery kind of a thing where like the board game is kind of set up like clue, but instead of just being like, oh, it was Mr. Body was killed in the, the observatory with a candlestick, <laughs> you actually had like mousetrap level interactive elements where like you would take your character and then you would land on a square and then you would pull a rubber band and a chandelier would fall, kill your character. You're done. Wow. That one sounds fun. It's like a Rube Goldberg house murder mystery. So it's like knives out on steroids. I'm looking at it now. It looks familiar. I don't think I've played this, but it's no surprise because Justin, we all know that you're a huge fan of the Clue movie. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and this obviously, of course, would be in your realm of something that, yeah, no shit, you want another Clue type movie. Yeah, all and right. this is this is it. So maybe we can share out some screenshots on social, Eric. If you can, yeah, if you can dig it up, but look it up. Thirteen Dead End Drive. That'd be oh. fun. Awesome. So much fun. Love that. All right, I've got I've got two. The first one's kind of stupid, but I think the visuals could be fun. Uh, in like a real fucked up like live action way, but Candyland, just like people having to live in Candyland and like deal with that shit. But then it just made me think about uh, like Wreck It Ralph or some shit. Like they just kind of took the thunder there. But I feel like if they made like a hard R Candyland and there's murders wow. and people falling down the Lollipop Mountain and shit, Gumdrop Mountain, uh, I think it could be fun. But the more so game type Candyland, yeah, game. pretty much. And the second can, one, can there be a, real quick? Can there can yeah. there be a prequel called John Candyland? <laughs> there there should be. Let's just okay. say there, sh- there should be just all. Uh, so I feel like all right. If we were billionaires, quick side quest. We were billionaires. I feel like we would do something like that. Like we would just buy an island and clone all these AI like John Candies and like just live there and they would be programmed to like real life like john candy they would say that shit and just all different characters that could be a good one and call it Candyland. i like where you're going with that i'm okay. i'm game you i've <laughs> got i've got five bucks in a drawer right next to me i'm i'm investing all right i can sell some organs i think you can get money for those and speaking of my second game is operation i feel like this would be a better tv show than a movie more comedic where people just come in with really weird shit stuck in their bodies. Either they swallow it, they get impaled, um, and it's just like a bunch of drunk doctors that are trying to take those items out, and if they just so happen to like shift it the wrong way, it cuts like a really major artery or whatever, and the person just bleeds out, and they're like, oopsie fuck, and they just die. 
Okay, whoa, 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 whoa! Why are the doctors drunk? I you got to make it fun. How do uh, how do they how do they um, get to a point where they're just they're at risk the entire time? Because I feel like a good doctor is going to go in and save the day, and that's going to just be way too easy. Doesn't matter if you have like a you know a nunchuck stuck through your stomach. Uh, they're they're going to find a way. Yeah, Jeff, don't mess with nunchucks. You just never know. Um, but I feel like a good doctor would just take care of that. So you got to add a little bit of flavor to it. A little interesting that they come in all cocktailed up. They got the music blaring, and it's like, all right, Mr. Johnson, we're ready to uh, take out the katana from your cervix. Um, goodbye, Mr. Jones. Goodbye. So I don't know. That was my idea. All so right. it could have been your show, Justin. You leave my show alone. <laughs> you just leave it, okay? So that was fun. I think, you know... I, I love board games. We haven't played one in a while. We definitely got to hit up a board game here soon, maybe over the Spooktober. Uh, and maybe, Justin, if you don't have the one you were talking about, we should try to find a copy of that because that sounds amazing. Love that. I am heading, I'm, I'm on heading to eBay right now. Love it. Love it. All right. Last main quest here. I can't wait to talk about it. We're going to love it. Um, video game franchises. We all know them. We've all played them. But what I really want to know tonight is which video game franchise really just needs to end. I mean, there's so many out there nowadays. I feel like every little game is just turning into a franchise, whether we like it to or not. Um, so I think I'm going to lob this one over to Justin. Any recent or in the past franchises that you're just totally done with, whether you play them or not, or are you just sick of them? Lay into us. Oh, okay. Here it comes. <laughs> uh, there's, I want to say there's three that come to mind and um, maybe there's a little controversy that's going to come out of my mouth now. And for <laughs> that, I am sorry, Claudia. I know you're very <laughs> passionate about video games. Um, I'm done with Fallout. Ooh. I've played one and found it to be super boring. And it just seems like they keep replicating the game and saying, now it's here, now it's here, now it's here. And it's the same game. Yeah. I'm not a big Fallout fan, so, you know, I guess I will agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. Wasn't expecting that. Uh, well, and so, and then the other, another one that I want to say is I'm totally done with Final Fantasy. Could, did we not peak? <gasps> did you okay but you still love final fantasy 7 that can stay i i i do i i'm totally good with final fantasy 7 and i've played the first final fantasy six through seven games and you know this isn't this isn't my spot but like i know there's new uh games that are going on but I just don't think that they've got a place in modern video game lore. Okay, that's fair. Uh, it's it's okay to love a game, and now you're now it's done. It's toast. What about any? Uh, was there a third one? I think you had three, right? Oh, uh, then I'm. I think Mortal Kombat's seen better days. I think they had a really good turn coming from the 3D battle zones that they did until coming into 9, 10, and 11, but it's just so damn repetitive, and the movie sucked. So I'm like, Mortal Kombat, just step away for a while and just, you know, 
<laughs> knock your boots against the the ground. I'm just shocked you said Vinyl Fantasy. Well, it's okay. I I will do something similar, Justin. So I'm glad you did it first because now I feel more comfortable and open to talk about it. Um, so I was a huge fan back in the day, starting with the original Call of Duty. They had a lot of great, unique original content. You know, they were bringing us World War II games. Um, kind of like Vietnam War games, and then it turned into Modern Warfare, and they were the first ones to pretty much do that. And then, right around after, I'll say, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, that was probably my last enjoyment with the entire franchise. Now, they're pumping that baby out fewer than nine months, so I don't know who the mom is or who the dad is, (laughs) but they just keep pumping games out like once or twice a year now without even thinking about it. I don't know what the games are anymore. I don't know what the content is, what the structure is. Like, they were always good at storytelling and is very cinematic. So I'm sure some of the games are still like that. But it just doesn't make me excited anymore. I used to really enjoy waiting for that next big launch from Call of Duty because it was such an epic event. And nowadays, they're just spitting it out just to keep up with the rest of the world. I mean, like Battlefront's doing it. Call of Duty's doing it. Um, I mean, just you name it. Like Far Cry Six is out now. Like, are the I've I've played like one of those, and like, are those still even fun? But I just I just can't stand the Call of Duty games anymore. It's a really it really is a shame because I would love to jump back into it at some point. I'm hoping, and this is kind of a flip side, really quick, but I'm hoping Halo revives itself here with the next one. Justin, I know you like Halo Five. Not going to shit on that one, but I really hope Halo Infinite kind of resparks that and like they they took their time and did something new. So, Call of Duty, please, if you're not going to end the franchise, give us a new, fun, fresh game. Take a couple years and just think about it. Don't think about your wallets for once, okay? I don't know where that voice came from, but whew, all right, there it is. I'm going to get my sweat towel, my sweat rag, and wipe it off. So, Jeff. Let's uh, let's uh, tee it up here. What you got? Yeah, see, for me, it's <clears throat> the games I like to play. I want them to continue on and on. I don't play Call of Duties and, and things like that, so I could really care less. But, uh, you know, there's some things in the gaming industry that they could fucking stop doing because it's oh. annoying and it drives me nuts. Oh, boy. And, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you, that's you dro- kind of where I'm going to pivot here. <laughs> you, dro- you dropped the F-bomb, so this sounds like a, a ref rant's coming up. Oh. oh, God, here we go. Mass Effect is the greatest game. I mean, that's it. How many reasons do you want me to tell you? I keep telling you, this is why Superman sucks. Well, I'm going off on a bit of a rant there. Just pick up a fantasy novel. It's not that hard! You have no idea what you're talking about. I do. Reference. Oh my god, I'm so glad I created that soundbite. Now you have reference in history forever. Jeff, let's tee you up, sir. Let's let's knock this bitch down. You know, you're bringing up Call of Duty, and you know we could talk about cyberpunk and on all, all this shit. But this whole forcing gamers to either, you know, play in first person only, like. Uh, cyberpunk they just make you play in first person i don't want to play in first person i don't like it i like to see my character i like to dress them up part of the whole rpg you know experience for me is getting gear crafting it making it and making my character look the way i want why are they giving us games or oh yeah here's all this great customization shit but oh you can't see your character unless you look at yourself in a mirror which is super annoying to me and i hate it I really, I really hate it, and oh, I'll never play Cyberpunk because there's no first person. Um, I mean, there's no third person. 
options. So I hate the gaming industry, if they want to end something, not end a franchise, but end forcing players into one perspective or the other. Give us an option, like Elder Scrolls, where you literally can play first person or third person. However you want it, the game is up to you to play the way you want it. And uh, it's really annoying when you don't have that choice. And it drives me fucking insane. Oh my god, so what you're saying is you want The Sims to go on forever. I don't care. I don't play <laughs> oh boy. The Sim. Oh boy. So who cares? Okay. Sim all they want. I don't I don't care. <laughs> For the games I, I care about and the studios I care about, um, like uh, the ones who make The Witcher and stuff, and then they make the cyberpunk game, but oh yeah, uh, fuck you everyone who likes third person. We're not going to give it to you. You have to play in first person. Well, screw you. I'm not going to play your damn game. And by the way, Kathleen Kennedy is producing it. Oh, uh, oh boy! Let's not even get started there. Before you get started, let's uh, let's take a moment to thank everybody. You guys really enjoyed the first episode. We we appreciate all the love and support and all the listens. So continue to let us know what we can do to make this content as best as it can be. We love hearing back from you. So hit us up at SideQuestPod. Go out to our YouTube channel. Subscribe, follow, give us a like just so we can keep growing that bad boy. Um, and we had a great time with you all. And what we like to do every Friday is a free promo Friday. So this week, we've got a very, very special shout out. We're going to send it on over to Justin, who's going to promo the Back in Time Pod. Yeah, thank you, Eric. So sweet. And thank you, audience, for listening, for checking in. If you have not checked out Back in Time Pod, that's my uh, cousin to SideQuest. Does that sound yeah. good enough? Yeah. I mean, cousin, yeah. stepsister. Uh, I don't know, step bro. That's it's my other my other podcast that I do with my uh, buddy from college, Kyle, where we dive into movies from the '80s and the '90s. We talk top five movies we talk top five music we talk top five top five all sorts of crazy stuff uh, october is a huge month for us we're going to get into a lot of spooky movies we're going to have some retro episodes covering stuff everything from saw to halloween three season of the witch so uh do look us up do give us a follow and do shoot your hate towards kyle because he <laughs> sucks it's a really great <laughs> podcast it really is check them out at back in time pod instagram facebook's youtubes all those places and for us be sure to give us a like subscribe share follow let us know how we're doing and we are ending tonight's episode so how boys shall we so end it? i know exactly how to do this oh god uh, thinking about it uh so we talked about the burbs and there is the famous scene in the burbs where uh they pull out the femur and then uh they both uh, scream no. So I think no better way than to for you and Justin to reenact uh, probably the Burbs' most famous and ridiculous scenes. All right, Justin. So we're just we're just shouting no back and forth. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's a femur. You know, it's a femur bone. Yeah, uh, you know, a femur bone. happens to be you know human thigh bone. Ray, I mean, look at the size of this thing. You know, you you think this came off a chicken or something? And, and oh here we gosh. go, looking at it. And me and you, ready? Ah! <laughs> you went way higher than I did. You phased out. <laughs> <laughs>